Hey, this is Brian here with Mid-City Vineyard Church. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock at 4302 Canal Street, and we'd love to have you anytime you are able to come and worship with us. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, check us out on Facebook, Mid-City Vineyard, Instagram, at Mid-City Vineyard, and of course online, midcityvineyard.org. A uh, special uh, note here, we will not be gathering for worship this Saturday night, November the 11th. Uh, however, we will be out at the Bayou for a chili cook-off from 11 to 2, and would love to have anyone who wants to show up and eat some chili and hang out with us, uh, come on out. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled MCV Distinctives, and these are those things that we really feel as a church organized are something we desire to be very good at, something we are building Mid-City Vineyard Church on. And so this week, uh, we move into our fourth distinctive, and we entitled this MCV Distinctive Eating Together, the true importance of community and connectedness. So thanks for checking us out. Much peace to you, and let's head on over to the teaching. For the last couple of weeks, uh, we have been in this series that uh, I stumbled upon, and it's turned into one of my most favorite series yet. We've called this MCV Distinctives over the last number of weeks, and each week we have talked about a particular thing that uh, resonates with us, a particular value, really, that resonates with us as a community of faith. Who are we going to be as a community of faith as we are moving forward as Mid-City Vineyard? A community of faith in the community for the community. Now, these are things that we want uh, to be as a church organized, and these are values that we desire to have in our lives as the church organic, how we operate as the church, but outside of these walls, outside of organized uh, opportunities that we create. So week one, we talked about uh, uh, number one distinctive Mid-City Vineyard is that we throw parties. And what, what we're talking about is the fact that we want to be, and we, we really are good at throwing parties. I want us to be good at this as a church, and I want you to be good at this as, as, a par- as the church organic. Throwing parties means that we create space. We create space in our lives. We create space in our calendars. We create space in our schedules. We create space where people can come and, and, and be part of our lives. We create space where the Spirit of God can, can uh, 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 work in the lives of people. The Spirit of God is always working in people's lives, but when we're interacting with folks, we're, just, we're being cooperative cooperative agents with the Spirit to see what God is doing in the lives of people. Throwing parties. Uh, the next week we talked about uh, a Mid-City Vineyard distinctive is that of giving things away. Generosity. We as a church, we talked about this in the first two years as a church, we have given away over $17,000. And then that week we actually, we passed the offering baskets, if you remember, and in those offering baskets there were over $4,000 and we asked everybody who was there that night, take money out of the offering basket and go and be generous with that money. And so we gave away over $4,000 that evening. You received a card, because you either received a $50 bill or a $100 bill. You received a card to go along with that. We're still looking to have those cards back. We want to know what you did with the money. So that we can read this and, and see what kinds of things, how, how you were able to be creative when you knew, hey, the money's not mine, I'm just a steward of this money. 
And then the idea is that we would transfer that to understanding that nothing that you have belongs to you, that you're a steward of everything that you already have. We all found it to be a little bit easier when someone gave us the money and said, this is not your money, go give it away. But this is, this is the stuff that, that the Spirit of God is, is, is forming and shaping within us. So those cards need to come in because in a couple of weeks we're going to have an evening where we read some of those cards. Last week, we talked about working for the good, working for the good of others, what it looks like to serve others, what it looks like to, to integrate this discipline and this practice of serving others in our lives. And tonight, the Mid-City Vineyard distinctive of, can anyone guess? Eating, Eating together. together. Eating together. Brilliant. Eating together. And really, if, every, if all of them have, uh, uh, um, uh, if they're all what we do, but each one has like a, a spiritual name, then this would be community or connecting. You know, community is kind of the buzzword, connecting is the buzzword in the church. But for us, this is going to be, this is what we're good at. This is what we want to be good at, eating together. You've been around here for any amount of time. You already know that we eat together often. And that is very, very intentional, as we will look at this evening. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you again. We thank you that you're with us. Lord, I pray uh, that, that what we talk about tonight... I, I desire in my own life, and I pray this for our church, that we would be well-balanced followers of yours, that we would be well-balanced apprentices, printi. I don't know what the word is there. And, and so, Lord, that, you know, some of us are, we are just amazing at serving, but we are awful at community. Some of us are amazing at community, but we are the most stingy, greedy people that others know. And, and Lord, we're all on a journey. Lord, would you just continue to loosen our grip on these things and, and, and open us up to being well-rounded followers of yours as we learn from you, as we understand what you're doing with us as a community of faith, what you're doing with us as your followers. And so tonight, we again, we just say, Lord, have your way right here. Right here, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In the book of Acts, we love this passage in the church. I, I just uh, Acts chapter 2, I think I have this on a slide here. And you'll see this. That day after Peter preached, about 3,000 people took him at his word. So 3,000 people said, hey, I like what that guy said. I, I, yeah, I'm in. And so they were baptized and they signed up. And they committed themselves to the teaching of the uh, apostles. They committed themselves to life together. They committed themselves to the common meal and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe and all those wonders and signs done at all the signs and wonders done by the apostles and all the believers lived in harmony holding everything in common they sold what they owned they pulled their resources so that each person's need was met and they followed a daily discipline of worshiping in the temple followed by eating meals at homes uh, every meal was a celebration exuberant and joyful as they praised god people in general liked what they saw and every day their number grew as God added to those who were being saved. Now this is a fascinating passage because what happens, and we see this in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people are added to the number, but what we see happening is that these people, are, are, they're, they're walking out of something and they're walking into something 
new. And these 3,000 people, they're literally walking into one another's lives, and they are becoming a family. These people are literally committing themselves to one another. I love this part about the daily practice, which is amazing. But a daily, they were, they were engaged in one another's lives. And this part at the end where it says others, uh, how does he say, hate to say this at the end, People in general liked what they saw. And more and more were added to their numbers. People liked what they saw. People who were not part of the kingdom, people who were not apprentices of Jesus, people who had not yet latched on to this fullness of life and this experience of life in the kingdom that Jesus had been talking about, they were seeing the actual community this family community, the community of faith, they were seeing them interact with one another. They were seeing them actually take care of each other. They were seeing them serve one another. They saw them eating together. They saw them praying together. They saw them worshiping together. They saw them doing all of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And they were drawn to that. They were drawn to that. So wow, what, what, is, what is this thing? It's different than what, what I've seen before people actually gave themselves to the community in uh, his book the tangible kingdom Hugh Halter writes like this he says the ancient Christians believed that God did not want us to be in control of relationships or autonomous in our approach to God or to others Okay, I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read an entire paragraph, but the first sentence, this is incredibly important because in modern Western Christianity, most people, most people have a very autonomous connection with God. It's about me and God. One of the things that's so common in the church these days is if you were the only person, James, on the entire planet that lived on the planet, Jesus would have died for you. And, and though that may be true, that has brought Christianity down to this very personal thing. It's just me and God. And that was never what Jesus intended. Jesus was pulling a people to himself from the kingdom. Jesus never walked around asking people, have you accepted me as your personal Lord and Savior? He has said, he says things like, hey, the kingdom's right here. Come get in on this. See all these people, they're getting in on it. Come get in on this. Come be part of this right here. So I'll read that sentence again. The ancient Christians believed that God did not want us to be in control of relationships or autonomous in our approach to God or to others. He wanted everything done in the context of his communal people as a witness to the world. God has not called a person. God has called a people. In ancient times, conversion was not just coming to God. It was actually coming to God's people. N.T. Wright says something very similar, and N.T. Wright is an is a actual theologian where Hugh Halter's just a dude like me. So it's got more weight behind it when, when Tom Wright starts saying it. It really wasn't an opportunity to focus on personal relationship with God, but rather on the significance of becoming a member of the household of God. The truth is, if you wanted a relationship with God in ancient times, then you had to have a relationship with his people. If you wanted to have a relationship with God in ancient times, then you had to have a relationship with his people. It came, it was all part of the package. And I would suggest that the same is still true today. It's in that process 
of giving ourselves to God and giving ourselves to one another that something actually happens. It's in the process of giving ourselves to one another that we actually become something together. We become something that did not exist before. You know, when I perform weddings, one of my, my favorite things I say to uh, brides and grooms as they stand right there in front of me, I, I say, I, because when I do weddings, I'm speaking to the bride and to the groom, and, and their friends are just, they're, they're, they're witnesses, that's what they're doing. But I'll say to the bride and groom, I, and I, I implore them to, to take their vows seriously. Do not, do not stand up here and say I do and then don't. Say I do and follow through and realize that today what you are doing is something brand new that has never existed in the history of the planet, in the history of all time. Something brand new is being created between this man and this woman. There's this brand new thing that is being created between these new people. They will share things that no other two people have ever or will ever share together. There is a new creation being birthed right here in front of all of our eyes. They, they, they will have a different energy and a different synergy and they will have a, there, will, there will be a different flow and there will be something deep and personal that no other two people have ever or will ever experience. And it's, when, it's in that commitment and that coming together of two people that this is formed. And I would suggest as much as same, uh, said, said to be true of the church. When we come together, something that does not exist in the world around us is formed and shaped. And I'm not just, this isn't just Mid-City Vineyard, but, but this is what we share together as Mid-City Vineyard and with First Grace down the church and, and with those who are part of Canal Street uh, Community Church right here. It, there's, this, there's, this, there's this thing that Jesus unites us together. And the way we express, is it, express it is in local expressions and communities of faith. It's a sacred space. It's a sacred relationship. It's a sacred community. Again in Romans, the passage that Sherry read. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself in sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given to each of you. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. We actually belong to each other. We belong to each other. Do we act like we belong to each other? Recently, I, I heard an incredibly tragic story of a group of friends, a large group of friends who were living in community with one another. And, and it was all these, these couples and all of their children. And one of the couples in this, this large community of friends had a grievance against another one of the couples. And when they brought it to the, to the other couple, their friction came into the relationship. But then, to make matters worse, it wasn't just between those two couples, but the friction made it all the way into the group. And the group actually literally reached a place where they decided that this could not be worked through. And so that one couple was pushed out while the rest of them just continued to go, go about. This is the type of thing we see in the world, is it not? 
I mean, this, this is how it works. We see this uh, in, in businesses. You know, we, we see little co co uh, coalitions form. You know, and if, if, you, don't, if you don't fit into to the way we do things, then, then you get pushed out. We, we see this in sports teams. You know, if, 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 your, if your child wasn't, didn't come from this particular neighborhood, they might be on the team, but they definitely get pushed out if they make the team. I mean, we see this all, all around, and yet, the most sad thing is when we see this take place in the church. Because we're the people who Jesus is saying, hey, look, let's look different. Let's, here's, part of, here's part of what we do. We are called reconciling communities. Well, then let us learn to be reconciled to one another within the community of faith. Let us learn to give. Let us learn to take. Let us learn to share life, to actually give of ourselves to one another. Now, have any of you, raise your hands, have, has anyone in the room ever been hurt by a relationship? Okay. So half of you and the other half of you are liars. That's right. Okay. So, so we've been hurt by a relationship. Do you realize that one, when you have been hurt in a relationship, it doesn't matter what type of relationship, there's this thing that happens in your brain where all of a sudden you have to start wondering and you start questioning all relationships. Are people trustworthy? Are people worthy of giving myself to? And I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. And yet what I sense the Spirit of God saying is, hey, look, you don't, you don't have to come into this and just give it all away all at one time. However, will we begin doing the hard work of practicing and looking and thinking about moving towards one another? Because community is beautiful. Community is where we're shaped. Community is where we're formed. And I would say to you, one of the greatest ways that we begin to form this, one of the greatest things that we can do, literally, is learn to share the table together. Eat together. One of the very first things Christy and I did when we, when we uh, moved into Mid-City is we made sure that we, we didn't have all the furniture. Uh, we didn't have a lot of furniture, actually. We didn't have a den for forever. But we made sure that we had a kitchen table. We made sure that we had a kitchen table that would seat. It was large. You had to seat our family. But then it also, we wanted it larger. It has like multiple leaves. We wanted to be able to seat 12 to 15 people at our table. Because we believe that foundational to who we are as followers of Christ and foundational to who we are as a church is that we would learn to eat together. I would suggest to you that eating together is one of the most spiritual things that you can do. Period. I know we like to think of spiritual things as reading the Bible or praying or, you know, what, whatever that stuff might be. And that stuff's good. I'm, I'm for it. But I would suggest to you that one of the most spiritual things, I would put it even above those things, is eating together and being in community. Because it's here where you will begin to know and you will begin to be known. This is why we do Red Bean Mondays. This is why we do Bulldog Thursdays. This is why we eat together every so often after church here on Saturday nights. This is why we encourage people all the time to go out to eat together after worship. This is why we do dinner clusters. This is why we eat together on Holy Thursday. This is why we do picnics. This is because there is something very beautiful about eating together because it's over meals that we can actually, we're, we're forced to sit and share and dialogue 
Now some, obviously, some places are easier to converse than others. I get that. Eating together. Or smoking cigars together. One of my closest friends, who, uh, his name is Doug, and Doug's, I don't know, Doug's 58, maybe uh, 59 or, or so, but he is a avid, avid cigar smoker, and Doug always says, every time we're together, we smoke cigars, and Doug always says, the beautiful thing about cigars is that most of the time, this is, this is not a, a gender-specific thing, okay, uh, but most of the time, it's guys who are sitting around in the circles that I'm running with smoking the cigars, and it's difficult a lot of times for guys to open up about, you know, to be known and to know. But Doug says it usually takes the first half of the cigar just to kind of shoot the, shoot the stuff and, and, and talk about whatever. But it's usually around the midway point through that cigar that the conversation starts to really go deep. It's usually, and this, this is true, uh, the, the second half of that cigar is where the conversation starts to move into some of the deeper things of the soul, the things that are, that are close to our hearts. I would suggest that that is also highly spiritual. Uh, so, in the book of Luke, here's how it works. We see a lot of eating. Luke chapter 5, we see that there's a party at Levi's house. Luke chapter 7, there's a dinner party at Peter's house. In Luke chapter 9, there's a big picnic. It's a chili cook-off for 5,000 people. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus goes to eat uh, with his friends, Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 11, there's a dinner at the Pharisee's house. In Luke chapter 14, there's another meal at the Pharisee's house. In Luke chapter 19, there's a party at Zacchaeus' house. In Luke chapter 22, there's a dinner at the disciples. In Luke chapter 24, there's dinner with Jesus and a couple of people on the road to Emmaus. At the end of Luke chapter 24, Jesus has breakfast with the disciples again. Why is it often recorded that Jesus eats? It's never recorded when he went to the bathroom. And he does both. Because eating is really, there's something very deep about this. Incredibly deep about this. Let me read this to you from Luke chapter 24, and then we'll look at this as a formative process. And then we'll be dismissed so you can go eat dessert together. If you want dessert. Luke chapter 24. One of the most uh, beautiful passages in the scripture. Well, I guess that's opinion. Here's my opinion. This is the passage called On the Road to Emmaus. And I'm going to give you a cliff note version. Uh, Jesus had come back from the dead. And there were a couple of people who were actually walking uh, on their way back to the place that they had come from called Emmaus. And as they were walking back to Emmaus, it says that a man came up behind them and began to ask them and said, hey, uh, what are, what are the uh, two of you talking about? Now, they did not know that this man who had come up behind them was Jesus. Because for whatever reason, in Jesus' resurrection body, he, he did not seem recognizable to these two folks at this time. And so as they walk along the road to Emmaus, these two folks are, are talking to Jesus and, and they're telling Jesus about all the things that had happened. They're like, they, they said to this man, have you not heard what just took place? Like the one that we loved, the one that we thought was here to rescue us and save the world and, and save all of us. And, and then they killed him. They nailed him to a cross and they killed him. Well, when they got to Emmaus, finally, 
the two people said, hey, well, uh, this, this, is, this is where we stop off. And the man behind them, Jesus, says, well, I'm, I'm going to keep walking. But these two folks, being skilled in hospitality, said, no, 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 no. Why don't you stay with us? Come on in. The day's almost over. And so the man goes in with them. And the scripture then says in verse 30, when he sat at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he began to hand it to them. And it says at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. They recognized Jesus, and at that moment, he disappeared from their sight. And then they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up at once and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and with those them assembled together. And they said, it's true, the Lord Jesus, he has risen, and he has appeared. And then the two told of what happened on the way, and how Jesus had uh, was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now there are many uh, uh, things that we can take out of this particular passage. But what I would suggest to you is that there was something very mystical. There was something uh, uh, very spiritual. There was something very earthy that took place between Jesus and these other two as they sat at the table. As they, had, as they had been moving in and creating space. And this is, talk about throwing parties and hospitality and creating space. And they created space for the Spirit of God to speak to one another's hearts. Where no person at the table was greater than the other. Where, where everyone was humble together. And they created space for the work of the Spirit in their lives. And they came to the realization and they were able to recognize the person and the beauty of Jesus. We're going to keep eating together because there is formation that takes place in our lives. Do you have in your life, do you have relationships where people can speak into your life? Do you have relationships where people can challenge things in your life? Where maybe they can challenge it. And you, you can receive it and allow the Spirit of God to do things in your life. Maybe you're shaped, you're formed, you're transformed, you're changed. Are you a person that, you know, you just, you talk too dang much and you don't listen at all. And you're just awful at it. Is there someone who has freedom in your life to say, you know, you talk too much. Shut up. Every now and then I just, you know, like when we go to lunch, just let me say a word. Do you have anyone in your life who's able to say to you, you know what, I really feel like fear is dominating your life on this issue. Like, and so what, what do you sense the Spirit of God saying to you in this situation? I, I, do you have someone in your life, I told you guys this a couple weeks ago, do you have someone in your life who, who will say to you, like, you're going too hard, slow down. Do you have someone in your life who will say to you, Hey, look, you, you, you need, I know, I know you're depressed right now, but you need the relationship. We must go get a cup of coffee right now for your own sanity. Do you have anyone in your life that you're willing to ask, hey, do I have any blind spots that I might not be aware of? Because by, by definition, that is a blind spot. Well, I would never do that. What if they tell me? <laughs> I know, I know, and how amazingly beautiful could that 
be. But we're not going to, I'm telling you right now, you, we will not develop these types of relationships simply by worshiping for uh, 80 minutes together on Saturday nights. This, this, has to be, this has to be practiced. This has to be worked at. This has to be moved in. And again, I said last week, we don't want to be like bodybuilders who have huge upper bodies, but we never work out our legs. Remember the bird-legged bodybuilder. That's why creating space is so important that we would follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. That's why being generous and learning to be generous is so important. That's why serving is so vital. And that's why eating together, sharing community, and then next, well not next week, we're not church, but the week after, what does it look like to learn together, to be, to disciple, to be disciple, to disciple one another, to move and ebb and flow in these ways of learning together. Any one without the other, we're off balance, off balance. So for us, moving forward, my question to you, what do you bring to the family? What do you bring to the community of faith? If this is your community of faith, then fantastic. What do you bring? I don't ever, I, I don't ever think about my family with my children and my wife. What do I get out of this? If I don't get what I need out of this family, I'm out. Kids, what do I get out of it? That's asinine. We would never, uh, we would never think like that in our in our family. And yet, a lot of times. I'm very guilty of this. We've, we come to church. What do I get out of it? What do I get out of it? And if the coffee's not the kind I like, this was my personal struggle for a long time. If the coffee's not what I like, then maybe, you know, what do I get out of it? Maybe you get to make the coffee. I don't know. Maybe you get to make the coffee you don't like. But here's the thing. I told you last week. I'm not going to use manipulative tactics on you. Because I cannot stand when people manipulate me. I want you to move in generosity with your finances. I want you to move in uh, openness with your calendar. I want you to move in creating space for others. I want you to move in serving. Serving the community of faith and serving the larger community. I want you to move in eating together and in community. Because I want it to be something that the Spirit of God is driving within you and that you're, communicating, you're cooperating with. That's how I live my life and that's how I am going to pastor you that you would learn to see and cooperate with what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. So my question to you is, what is the Spirit of God inviting you into in the place of community? What is God inviting you into? And then final quote, Scott Boren says, we are all called together now. Here we are as an orchestra, a community of faith comprised of muddled, stumbling rejects who are trying to figure out life like everyone else. And then, as a community, we simply offer what we have and we see what can come out of it for the sake of the world. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Amen?